click on the pictures there they are actually free videos I update them every week they'll appear differently whether you're on depending on what sort of platform you're on whether you're on a mobile device or a PC if you're on a mobile device just click on the blue charms that say mobile movie and the videos will start playing or if you're um, on a PC or a laptop or whatever you can click on um, the the, actually you just click on go to the page and you may have to enable the Adobe plugin that pops up it's free to do that and the video will start automatically playing for you there and you'll get more videos that way so anyway you can see that side of me and my friends um, and click on the videos there get a subscription make a donation or just check out the free stuff all the above are very much appreciated thank you um, you can also check out the Naked Truth and the Living Water Chapel pages there on the site. I don't think I mentioned that uh, with the last um, reading. Um, but that will give you an idea of what we do here. And it just popped up on my window. Um, uh, and that's go over the spiritual side of uh, me that I actually believe exists in all of us. And that's what Jesus had to say about things. As I'm a Christian, and I believe as a Christian, you have to... Um, consider what Jesus had to say on any given subject and let that be the last word on any given subject particularly if Jesus went through the trouble of going over it and shed blood to bring it to us and again this is for believers so if you're not a believer I totally understand if I lost you there peace to you and if you are you can pick up with reading with me where we left off and that's um or if you're curious, you can pick up with where we're going to pick up over we left with where we left off, and that's the book of Mark. And um, the thing, the passage that stood out to me the most is Jesus went over a few different things with the disciples in this um, in this chapter, and uh, several of them were the disciples are asking him. Well, I'll just show you rather than go by memory. You can see here. Um, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, um, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, "Tell us when will these things be?" Question one, and what will the sign, um, what sign, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? So it's two questions there, and in the other gospels, it's actually three different questions, and they're going to say, "What's going to be the sign of these things? What's the sign in the year?" of your coming and of the end of the age it's actually three different times and Jesus is gonna go through different times with them one's labeled here the great tribulation and that's gonna be basically uh, the fall of Jerusalem right around 70 AD and when most of the disciples were killed unfortunately and Jesus is gonna go through it letting them know some of them are gonna be delivered up and letting them know even that uh, someone, uh, people will come along saying, look, here's the Christ, or look, he's there. And he's telling them don't believe it. And that, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened with the whole Christian faith in large part um, because of what happened with the very one who came after Jesus was crucified and left. When the disciples were left without Jesus, that's Paul. Saul, Paul, same person who came along and sort of hijacked the whole thing. And you can see that, not just my words, you can see it for yourself because the, by the fact that the teachings of Jesus end in the book of the Acts and like the second chapter, the red letters end. And from there on, then on, it's other people's preachings, other people's teachings, 
some of the disciples, mostly Paul's, who was never one of Jesus' disciples. And that's morphed into what we know as what's called Christianity nowadays by uh, evangelicals in the, in the United States. But it has very, very little to nothing to do with what Jesus actually had to say about things. So anyway, that's where we're at. Um, and that's what we do here. And that's what happened in Mark chapter 13. You can see it in the last reading if you want to check out some of the old ones while they're available. And until I get a chance to index them. And we're going to pick up chapter 14 here. Um, let's see. And you can see here by the people at Bible.com who provided this. Thank you. Um, that this is the New King James Version of the Bible. That's the one that I use at home. Even, you know, the written one. And um, hard copy of it. And um, to me, it's close to the King James so it still gives the idea across but it's it's language is, is easy enough to understand and relate to by modern day people so anyway we're going to pick up at Mark chapter 14 verse 1 let's see after two days it was the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes saw how they might take him by trickery and put him to death but they said not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. So Passover is the feast from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus where the Israelites, the Jews as we call them, were delivered from slavery in Africa. Um, and that whole story in Exodus. And they celebrate it every year, even to this day, with uh, the Passover. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper as he sat at the table a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard then she broke the flask and poured it on his head but there were some who were indignant among themselves and said why was this fragrant oil wasted for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they criticized her sharply if this sounds familiar to you it's because it's very 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 similar to the exact same account given uh, when we were reading over the weekend now that we finished um, the book of Revelation um, the, the book of the very first uh, account of this that was um, circulating even before the Gospels were um, we went over that and you can see, see that also in the readings excuse me so if it sounds familiar to you that's why but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. So Jesus is letting them know, the disciple, and it's, I think in this case, um, it says some. some. In some Gospels, it, 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 it identifies and it makes it seem like it's just Judas who was doing it. Because he carried the money box and was, you know, ticked off that he didn't get a cut of it, basically. Um, but here it's saying it's some. So it's more than just Judas who's concerned and wondering, why are you wasting this cologne perfume this fragrance on him when you could have sold it and had a whole lot of money it's what they're upset about and jesus is like leave her alone get off her back for you had a poor with you always and whenever you wish you may do them good but me you do not have always so jesus is saying there that whenever you feel like being charitable to people you can so don't act like you want the money because it's so that you're because you're so concerned about 
poor people who don't have any. You want the money so that you can get part of it. But he says it in a loving way so that he doesn't call out Judas in that sense. And we can read in the other Gospels that the other disciples, or at least the narrator through the Gospels, um, says that it's known that Judas is, would help himself to what's in the donation box, basically. But Jesus doesn't do that because that's not Jesus' style or what his point was while he was here or the message he was meant to say and bring that he knew was going to be documented just like the media. So he couldn't, he chose not to because it could be taken a different way by people throughout time. So, and he's taking the loving approach when it comes to things like that by showing us in a roundabout way and letting him know you can be charitable whenever you like, but I'm going to be gone soon. So, don't get on her back because she's doing something special or nice for me. She's done what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body my body for, and you can see it there. I'm not going to say that because I obviously don't want to call that down on myself. Since Jesus says there are other possibilities, assuredly I say to you, when it, whatever wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So Jesus says, um, get off her back. She's doing what she can to show that she recognizes how special this time is while Jesus is walking with them. And not only that, because she's done what she could with what she has, she's going to be remembered for it. And obviously she has. It's been memorialized in the Bible and we're reading about it like 2,000 years later. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So it's interesting that his friend, one of the disciples, Judas, went to them. So it's not like they came to him and asked him to betray him. But even with him going to them, they still paid him. So it's, it's funny how that would work. It would seem like most people, if they go soliciting, well, I guess he knew they had something of value. He had access to something of value that they would be willing to pay for. And they did. And um, it's sad they find it convenient. Or we're looking for that convenient moment. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? So wait just a second. Didn't we just read where? Oh. No, I guess this was not at the same time. After two days, it was a Passover and a Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. So, now on the first day of... Okay, so it's just a different day here. I guess it's moved on. So, on the first day of Unleavened Bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. So I've said this before, it's, this is sort of how, how video games will use biblical allusions to allusions to point to, um, um, to with similar plots in their games, sort of like Zelda or the Adventure of Link and that how you'll be instructed to meet this person in this town and he'll meet you with a red pitcher and give you this for that and that sort of thing. Jesus is sending them on a similar mission telling them that things are already prearranged for them once they go on the way. All they have to do is be faithful and go on the mission. Whenever he, wherever he goes in, 
Say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where's the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? So he's even giving them the message to give once he gets there, just like how in the video games, though you'll have a password that you'll have to give once you do meet that person in the cabin with the picture. Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there. They're made ready for us. So it's possible that, I mean, in, throughout the Bible there are examples of it, then perhaps it's been predetermined and pre, um, um, it's all been set up in advance. Perhaps like God or in arranging it would arrange for the person to have had a vision or a dream or some sort of way of knowing that these people are going to come to you and they're going to do this and when they do this is how you're supposed to respond to them if they say this or however it works it's there are, like i said examples of it in the old testament uh, um and examples of it when it goes wrong when they don't do what um they're uh, directed to say when that moment comes and i think that's what um uh, another interpretation of what blaspheming the holy spirit can be um, described as besides saying things like how it's described uh, in one instance when the religious people say that Jesus is only casting out demons because he's a demon himself or he's doing it by power of demons himself and saying that that's what's blaspheming the Holy Spirit but also um, not saying what's supposed to be said in whatever moment it's supposed to be said um, could be speaking against and that could be another interpretation of the word blaspheming speaking against not just cursing um, what you're meant to say in whatever moment you're meant to say it in god's big picture of things um but anyway so he's saying that's what's going to happen it's going to be a prearranged for you and he's saying once you do um he's going to show you where to get ready for the passover and like i said the passover is described in the book of Exodus, if you want to read about it. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared a Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, one who eats with me will betray me. Excuse me, my mouth is so dry. So this is Jesus letting them know that um he sees what's coming he's not gonna avoid it and he's letting him know before it even happens so that when it does happen they won't be able to deny it and they'll know it was divine things at work um for it to happen and he's saying that one of them is gonna betray him so as uh, a backstabber and when they and they began to be sorrowful and say to one to him one by one is it i and another said is it i so the disciples are wondering which one of them it is that would do that. And they're um, one by one thinking, well, it's possible. So asking Jesus, which one is it? Believing that he has the power to see um, or know somehow in the future what's going to happen and which one of them it is that's going to do it. He answered and said to them, it is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. So that tells us a couple of things. Um, there's probably more than just the 12 there. Most likely, like I said before, some of the women, Mary Magdalene, his mother Mary, maybe some of his sisters and brothers there too. Maybe even some of the disciples' family because um, he's going to say at some point brother's going to betray brother and so forth. So, um, But he's saying it's one of the 12. So it lets us know because he could have just said it's one of you. 
But he didn't say that. He said it's one of the twelve. So it's one of the twelve there that he's talking about. One of the twelve disciples. And he said it's one of them who dips in the dish with him. So that lets us know it's one of those the twelve disciples. And we already know because Judas has already made arrangements with him. Uh, with the religious people. that So that he's at least one of the twelve who's going to betray him. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if it had never been if he had never been born. So this is Jesus being kind once again when he could call out Judas and say, Look, I know however means I know it that you've made arrangements to betray me. But instead of doing that, he's letting them all know that he knows one of them is um going to betray him. Um, but it's not gonna detour him from what it is he knows he has to do. Um, but he's saying it's not good for the person who does it and for in who ends up doing it. it uh, it'd be better for him if he'd never even been born. So that almost makes it sound like this is contrary to what he says in another place that the twelve disciples are going to have twelve um, thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, specifically, he says that. So maybe he will have judgment over God knows. But somehow those two will be reconciled um, according to Jesus. And again, believe what you want. But Jesus is telling him it would have been better for you if you had not been born than to stab him in the back. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And again, Jesus could have called him out and let him know he knows you have an arrangement with him and everything. But he didn't. He's taking the, ki the kinder route. And now he's even letting him know that in eating that bread, they're actually taking part in a ritual of actually eating his flesh. And that that's what he meant when he would tell people, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Where we get the whole um, communion from. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. So Jesus is letting them know, like he said, eats my flesh and drinks my blood the, eat, drinking the eating the flesh is represented in the bread drinking the blood is represented in the wine if you've ever taken communion you know that's what this is the root of it and he said to them this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many and notice there he's saying it's the new covenant it's a new agreement a new agreement um not the old one the Old Testament, the old system where you bring in uh, animal sacrifices and that sort of thing and foods are forbidden or maybe they're not or maybe you love your neighbor as yourself or maybe you do an eye for an eye. He's like, no, this is a new covenant. It's Christianity as we call it. And he's saying and he's even making it a blood covenant with his blood physically. And we affirm it not with our blood, but with uh, all those some of the disciples will um they even call it down on themselves at some point, at least a couple of them, when they ask for, ask Jesus to sit next to him in his kingdom. And he asked them, would they, would they be able to drink the cup that he drinks, meaning the cup of crucifixion? And they were like, yeah, we're able to. So he was like, you're going to. And they ended up doing that. So it was, again, another prophecy. So here Jesus is saying here that that's what that represents for us when we do communion. His flesh, his blood taking part in the belief um, of that's what it represents. Surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So that lets us know that um, 
when the whatever it was they gave to Jesus on the cross, whether it was vinegar, uh, wine vinegar, or sour wine, or whatever it is, that's clearly not what Jesus was talking about because he says right here, he won't take of that again. And in one gospel, at least, it says that he didn't. Once he tasted it, he refused it, maybe not knowing that's what it was, but being thirsty, wanted something to drink, but didn't know. However, whatever the case it is, um, this is uh, something to consider there. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you made a stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus is reflecting on an Old Testament verse there. Uh, in Psalms, if I remember right, and I don't have my Bible in front of me, shame on me, forgive me, um, but you can search that yourself. Um, let me see, I guess I can search it real quick, just don't want to waste your time. Oh, sorry. So anyway, um, Jesus is reflecting on an Old Testament verse here, and he's saying this to let them know this is being fulfilled. Uh, with what's happening with them and what's happening with them excuse me again oh that's not the one sorry alright let's try this again okay Zechariah 13 verse 7 that's what he's reflecting on there Awake, sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, so on and so forth in Zechariah 13, 7. That's what Jesus is reflecting on here. Well, I guess we can take the time to see since, I mean, it's not like I don't appreciate you. Checking it out with me. Oh, let's see. It said Zechariah 13 7. I know that's Old Testament near the end of it. Alright. Zechariah 13. Don't you just love technology? So, this is what Jesus is saying is a fulfillment of. See, the shepherd savior is the headline there. So, it means. That wasn't written in the original Bible. It's for us to understand that that's what this passage is discussing or presenting. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion. You see, it's in quotes. So it's saying, it's a direct quote, and it's saying this is attributed to, says the Lord of hosts. That's who's one of the Lord, the gods mentioned in the Old Testament. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. So here, um... Jesus is saying, fulfilling that verse is what's about to happen to them. And he's saying, um, but after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. So he's saying that y'all, all the disciples are, are about to be scattered um, because of the crucifixion. Um, but he's saying, after all of that stuff, don't worry. He's going to go ahead of them and meet them again in Galilee. So let him know, even before it happens, what to expect. And of course, with everything that happens... It's easy to understand why this would slip their minds, particularly with, you know, some of them not making it through to that point. 
It's particularly what happens with Jesus. You can see how that be enough for them to forget the things he said because you think, oh, he's gone. That's the end of it. But he's letting them know, no, that's not going to be enough of it. He's saying after he's been raised, so let him know that what they're about to witness and him leaving, as we all know, have seen leaving happen, people dying and passing away, even suffering many times. He's like, yeah, you're going to see that happen, but that's not going to be the end. He's going to be raised. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. So notice how it's called a rooster in this version. And we saw what it was called another one. It's called a cock. When a cock crows, you know, in the animal kingdom sense of the word. And so here Jesus is letting him know. Yeah, I know you're saying you're all down with me all the way, ride or die, all the way to the end, not going anywhere. But I'm telling you, <laughs> before the morning comes, before the rooster grows twice, you're going to deny that you even know me. So Jesus is, again, letting him know, letting them know, letting us see that before it even happens, he knows it's coming. And it didn't stop him from, from proceeding with it. It didn't detour him. He had a mission. But he spoke more vehemently saying, but he spoke more vehemently, if I have to, and you can see what it says there, Peter says, yeah, if he has to die with you, talking to Jesus, I will not deny you. And they all did, said likewise. So Peter's like, he's he's willing to ride or die, whether, um, no matter, come what may. But, and all the disciples are like, yeah, them too, but we all know that's not how it ended up. But they're all saying they feel that way just like people who get married and say it's forever and then not too long after maybe a long time after realize they wish it weren't forever and they wish they hadn't said it but um it's gonna happen really quick with them with the disciples then they came to a place which was named gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while i pray and he took peter james oh so now i guess focus on what jesus says there He's uh, loved the disciples, knows the time is near where he's going to be separated from them. But even with all that going on, he still shows us the example of separate yourself for time with God, no matter what's going on. And uh, that's what he does there. He goes to pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly. And you can see there, I'm not going to say it because... But he's saying his soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So Jesus is pretty down. He's, um, and he, if of all people, knows the whole process of what happens once you're done here and what happens next. So I don't think it's the whole process of dying that's terrifying Jesus. It's just like with most of us, it or most people, it would be how you go. Nobody really wants to suffer at the end. Um, but if you could just be greeted by someone who ushers you into it, like an episode of The Twilight Zone, and Robert Redford greets you, or some uh, blonde angel greets you to take you to the afterlife, then yeah, that might be a little easier for you to deal with than thinking you're going to lay there and suffer for a few years, or wait on death row for a few decades, or something like that. Um, um, or have someone attack you and kill you, or something like that. Um, so, um... I don't think that was the case. I think he's saying it's the death, that uh, the manner of death. And he's saying, but he's letting him know, um, but stay here, watch with me. And he took, or did I miss one? 
Okay, yeah. So he's telling him to go ahead and watch with him, and he's down about it. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. That um, basically means father, like father, father. Um, it's the root of the word Barabbas. Abba is, so a son is Bar, and Abba is father, so son of father. Excuse me. All things are possible with you, but it's a different word. I think it's like an Aramaic word, but it's, it's the same meaning. Father, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So some preachers will even try and, try and twist this. He's already told us he's tormented and he's sorrowful even to the point of death. And, and he's let them know they're going to betray him. They're going to leave him alone. So obviously he's talking about the crucifixion. Some, but some preachers will twist this and say, no, he's sorrowful. And he's talking about a cup of wrath that's mentioned much, much later by someone else in Revelation that's discussing the end time. Something that hasn't even happened at this point. It's not that hour, but a whole nother hour. But So believe what you want, but it doesn't make sense to think that he's talking about a cup that's mentioned in a whole nother place just because it's a cup that makes no sense um then he came and found them sleeping and said to peter simon are you sleeping could you not watch one hour so with all that jesus is going through and tormented by he's kind of disappointed to see that the disciples are supposed to be with him and down for whatever are down and out sleeping um watch and pray lest you enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and again we just went over this and then one gospel that didn't make it into the bible of how jesus is saying yeah i know in at heart you're with me but your body needs rest so it's disappointing but he knows that's what human how humans are built and again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words and when he returned he found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him then he came in the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So he's come one, two, three times and found the his homies, his friends to the end, who are with him, who after all he's told them it's happening and gonna happen and one of them's gonna betray him, and another one's gonna deny him, and that they're all gonna flee from him, and they're all like, "No, we're gonna be with you to the end." They all say that, and they see he's upset by it, and didn't, and apparently reject the whole fact that he prophesied they were gonna do all those things. They're just like, "No, if we just deny it, it doesn't exist." Sort of like how people deal with the virus nowadays. They feel like if you if you don't uh, acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. That's not reality. And he's telling them the things that are going to happen. They're in denial. And they're like, no, we're, we're not going to accept that. And then they went on to sleep. So Jesus is kind of upset by the fact that I guess their human nature is just, just that strong. That they aren't um, with him in the trenches at that moment. But, you know, human, we're human. We're weak. Then he came, uh, sometimes anyway... Then he came. Then he came the third time and said, "Them are you still sleeping and resting?" Um, okay, so I read that. Um, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So he's letting them know, um, get up, let's get moving. Um, he even knows that the betrayal is happening right then and there. Mm, my mouth is dry and I'm out of water. Excuse me.
All right. And immediately, we're almost done. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, his swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And as the betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he's the one. Seize him and let him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. So basically, what you have happening here is Judas has arrived with the officers. Uh, with weapons to arrest Jesus and even giving them a signal what he's going to do and we know from the other places rabbi can be translated as teacher or either master and that's how Judas has greeted him and really urgently like he's um doesn't know what's going on but with a knife in his hand then not literally figuratively then they laid their hands on him and took him and one of them one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear so someone else was armed literally one of the, the disciples and in another place is described as peter who does it who cuts off one of the servant's ears then jesus answered and said to them have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take um he says him he's there he's like have you come out with an arsenal when he was with them all the time uh, with no weapons like is all that really necessary I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me but the scriptures must be fulfilled so he's letting him know um, I was with you all the time and this didn't happen so why is it you're showing up with weapons and um, torches and clubs and swords as if he's some sort of um, terrorist um, but you know, then they all forsook him and fled just like he said the disciples first took him and fled even after all that big talk about being with him through the end and a certain young man followed him having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body and the young man laid hold of him and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked and like i've said before this is believed to be mark who uh, this gospel is um to be the story of uh, written by or narrated by or passed down by and they led him Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. But the, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. So what's just to bring us up to speed, what's happening is the religious people have arrested Jesus, and they're looking for witnesses so they can proceed with the trial. But um, they need the witnesses to agree. Almost like pe people will say, oh yeah, that's the one I saw with the gun, that sort of thing. And for at least two people to say it, for them to say, oh yeah, we know that he did it, he's the guilty one. Um, so they're looking for that, witnesses to agree that Jesus is the guilty one. And it's not happening because each of the witnesses are giving different testimonies and they're not agreeing. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? So uh, Jesus is like paying him not a, no attention at all. It's like, um, 
he's questioning him, cross-examining him, knowing the whole thing is trumped up, so to speak. And he's like, um, he's not answering him. But now he has, he asks him a question that sort of uh, demands an answer because it's talk, it's uh, it's it's asking about Jesus' authority if he's the son of God, the son of the blessed, and is what he says here. Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So Jesus let them know that he is who they think he is. He is who they're saying he is. He is who they're going to accuse him of being when they crucify him. Um, and he's saying that there's going to be a time that come, a uh, time coming clearly in the future to them and clearly to us so far, uh, unless dimensions um uh, that they're gonna see uh, a point come where god the power is going to be presented there with the one they're about to crucify then the high priest tore his clothes and said what further need do we have of witnesses you've heard the blasphemy what do you think so they of course they consider it blasphemous to say things that put yourself on par with god to say like you're one with god or the son of god even though we're all in Old Testament says we're all gods, but it's a lowercase g. Um, so anybody consider it blasphemous and they want to kill him for it, even though that doesn't sound like very religious or holy. And they all condemn them to be, to be dirt deserving of death, just like people nowadays with the death penalty. It's people who call themselves holy and religious and God feel God fearing, who are always so ready to protest and picket to take someone else's life for whatever reason, whether it. It's uh, in a war, or it's in a death penalty, or it's an abortion. Whatever the case, you're taking a life. And since God is the one who gives all those lives, how can taking a life in whatever form, whatever form it be, it may be, be um, different? I understand there are degrees, um, but at the end of the day, they're all life being taken. Um, and, you know, all of them are forgivable. So remember, that's a joy of Christianity. So anyway, then some of them began to spit on him, man. So for the blasphemy, this is how what they can what they're calling blasphemy. This is how they respond to Jesus, and they all condemned him to be condemned him, condemned him to be deserving of death. So the death penalty. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, prophesy. And officers struck him with the palms of their hands. So they're mocking him. And again, this is what we just read in the um, but in a different. A uh, book that didn't make it into the Gospels, into the Bible. The, they're abusing him. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls that I priest came, and when Jesus saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, "You also are with Jesus of Nazareth." So, uh, but he denied it, saying, "I neither know nor understand what you're saying." And he went on out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. So that's denial number one. Peter's like, "I don't know him." He's distancing himself from Jesus, the one who he had just said that, oh no, don't worry, even if he has to die, he's going to be right there with him. And so said all the disciples. But you see the rooster crow one time, Jesus said it had to crow twice, but Peter's going to beat the, the rooster uh, with three times. And the servant girl saw him again, so this pesky girl showing up again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them, but he denied it again. So now uh, you have denial number two, 
And Peter's rolling on. He's apparently not thinking about the prophecy that Jesus had told him. Um, you only get three denials and then that rooster's going to crow. And that's the prophecy. The one that you denied that I just told you was going to happen like just hours ago. So it's not like he had a whole lot of time to forget about it. But, I'm, you know, human nature and the events of the night, I could see, you know. So, um here um and she looked at him and said you all serve with jesus of nazareth but he denied to say i need to know and understand and the servant goes on again all right and he denied it again and a little later those who stood by said to peter again so now you have more than just a servant girl surely you are one of them for your galilean and your speech show it shows it so they can tell by his dialect by the way he talks where he's from then he began to curse and swear you can see what he says that he does not know the man talking about Jesus of whom you speak so that's pretty intent He's, he says it with an exclamation point he says it seriously he doesn't know Jesus so he doesn't know who you're talking about even though he's the same one who just swore basically that he's going to be there to the end second time the rooster crowed then Peter called to mind a word that Jesus has said to him before the rooster crows twice you will deny me three times and when he thought about it, he wept. So then hearing the rooster crow that second time is what um, sort of put the nail in the coffin for Peter and really brought it to his mind and rang the bell for him to say, oh, you know what? Man, he did tell me I was going to do that. It's just like how the MAGA base now is, uh, is like, wow, you know what? All those people did say the mask would save our lives or would keep from spreading the disease. And even though now they see the president doing it, they're like, oh, wow. So they don't think there's no bell ringing to say, wow, for all these months it was real. And I've been out here picketing that I shouldn't have to wear it. It's crazy. But like I said, we've seen all this before. It's a reboot of the exact same thing that happened with the HIV AIDS crisis when millions were dying. Republicans sadly, crazily made it political and made it about uh reproductive rights so you can't provide people rubbers or um homosexual rights so you can't provide people rubbers even though they know it's the rubbers that the bodily fluids that are dangerous and it's the rubbers that will keep you from coming in contact with it so we've seen this whole thing before only now it's masks that will save your life and that's being politicized and people are stupid enough unfortunately sadly enough to ignore history and buy into it again to their own peril so anyway, that ends this reading. I appreciate you checking it out. Hope you'll join me again. And I hope it was a blessing for you. Uh, we have, it's Monday, Matt and Martin Mondays. That's why we did these two. And uh, we have our um, Jean-Luc Wednesdays where we do those two Gospels. And then, God willing, we have our Saturday night just after midnight. Sunday morning, we have our mystery reading where we'll read from somewhere we'll see we finished up the book of a uh, revelation and we read from a book that didn't make it into the bible but that's actually a gospel uh at least a passage from a gospel passage of gospel that didn't make it into the bible that's actually older than all the books that uh did make it into the bible of the gospels that is so anyway, I appreciate you checking it out. And um, in the meantime, take care of yourself. Be safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Love your neighbor. And thanks again. God bless you. Peace.